G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. As we do on a Monday, we like to check in on the week's political agenda and Martin Isles, who's the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, is back with us. Hello, Martin. Welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. Good to be back. Well, Martin, as some of the dust settles on the federal election, a lot of these other issues are beginning to kick back in and we realise that there are some battles that are ahead. Uh, You've been looking at some of the developments this week on the Tasmania conversion suppression. Tasmania's Christians are facing a new battle in the form of conversion suppression legislation. What's this one all about? Yeah, Neil, you make a good point. Life goes on, doesn't it, when all the dust uh, settles from the federal election and the madness of that campaign. And we're sort of back to almost a a business-as-usual situation where these uh, pieces of legislation, which pose uh, really alarming uh, implications for particularly Christians, uh, are continuing to roll out. And Tasmania is the latest to go down this path of what they call uh, conversion suppression legislation. Um, and we've already seen that in Victoria, and we've seen it in the Australian Capital Territory. Uh, We saw it in a much lesser degree in Queensland, I have to say. It's not nearly as concerning. Um, But these are laws that are wolves in sheep's clothing, and I think we've talked about this a few times now. You know, they come along uh, with a very noble aim, which is to say, ah, you know, these outdated medieval conversion therapy practices that were inflicted on um, LGBT people in the past um, it's, it's, it's time to ban them. But of course, they're coming to the party a little bit late because they're not happening anyway. So the question people like me ask is, well, what's the real agenda here? If they're banning a non-issue, if they're banning something that isn't happening, is there more than meets the eye? And uh, look, it really is a concern because these laws have such wide-reaching effects that effectively what they end up doing is, uh, and this is true in the case of Victoria, criminalizing anybody who does anything that does not wholly and completely affirm uh, homosexuality and transgenderism uh, in a person. So you can imagine a pastor who may want to preach a sermon or run a Bible study about God's design for sexuality, which is not homosexuality, he finds himself in real trouble because he's not affirming uh, the sexual orientation of anyone and everyone who may be present in his uh, Bible study group. Or if he were to pray for somebody, even if that person asked him to, uh, the fact that they are volunteer for it doesn't make a difference. If they were to come to him and say, pray for me and my sexual orientation or whatever, if he did that, again, he's in real potential legal trouble. But, Neil, the place where these laws really concern me most is not actually in the pulpit or the Bible study or the counselling room for pastors and counsellors or even uh, the practice of medical doctors who may not be going along with this whole transgender bandwagon, which is taking the world by storm. The place where it concerns me the most by far 
is in the family home. And the long arm of these laws reaches into the home. Uh, We're seeing children taken on by this transgender phenomenon in particular in a massive way. And it's spreading almost like an ideological contagion amongst young people. Uh, And of course, what do they do in the madness of this messed up world? Uh, We're carving up young people with gender therapies and Uh, and all the rest of it, uh, and giving them drugs and hormones and even surgeries in some cases because they say, I don't feel like a boy or I don't feel like a girl. And the number of young people that are doing this at the moment, uh, it has increased by thousands of percent in the last 10 years. And that's not hyperbole. Those are the statistics. You have gender clinics at the major hospitals around Australia who are building extra uh, extra wings and they're adding extra beds and they're putting extra uh, capacity in and employing more staff because the increase in children who are taken on by this confusion has, incre- has gone up by thousands of percent. And you think of poor parents who have kids who are hearing this garbage at school, those parents may well want to uh, uh, give a Christian view to their child or say to their child, don't go down this pathway yet. Don't do what the school is saying, which is to wear the opposite sex uniform and take on different pronouns. Let's wait and see until you're 18 or something like this they now are in very serious trouble potentially with these laws. So Tasmania, the Law Reform Institute has recommended laws. It's really going to be up to the Christians down there, the pastors, the parents, to participate in campaigns, to contact their MPs, to say the laws are not necessary and the laws have implications which really run deep into our lives, which we just can't tolerate. So you've got a doctor or a medical professional. It'll be against the law for them to tell you the truth. Uh, you've got pastors and people who are in church life. It'll be against the law. They'll be criminalizing the thought that you might even uh, have an ordinary pastoral care response to someone who's going through a really tough time. And as you say, Martin, parents are the ones who are in the firing line here, taking the responsibility away from parents. And I know even when you say it's going to be up to the Christians, uh, some Christians will be thinking, oh, really, isn't anybody else on board here? Christians are probably the most likely ones to actually speak up and and have a say and say, wait a minute, this is not really a good idea. You're calling on uh, parents in Tasmania to uh, to perhaps write to the government and uh, and say reject the proposal because there are serious consequences for parents who are listening to us right now concerned about their own children or their neighbours' children. Uh, what are you hoping they'll do? Well, we'll be running campaigns in due course, and I hope that they participate in those, and they'll get the information through our email list and our social media. Uh, But there's no reason why, and I appreciate that this is daunting because of the uh, tense nature of the subject matter, Um, but nobody else is going to do it, Neil. (laughs) That's the reality. We have found that other organisations, push comes to shove, they won't really stand against this juggernaut because it's a bit scary. Uh, But here's the thing. If you're a constituent of a local politician, they're not going to shout at you on the phone. Uh, They're not going to treat you badly because you're their constituent. Your vote matters to them. They are there to listen to you and to hear what you have to say. And I would say send them an email or even better pick up the phone and say, look, I've heard that there's this conversion suppression legislation uh, which is being considered by the Tasmanian government. I just want to say that there's unintended consequences for families like mine, and I want to ask you not to pass it. All they need is, is an indication that you don't support it. 
um, and that go into the system uh, and it will mean something, especially if you start now. They're not going to bite your head off um, and it can be as simple as that. You don't need to be a wordsmith. You don't need to be uh, a trained debater to make that call. It's just to register the fact that just to gently say, I don't support it because there's unintended consequences for my family. Um, things like that. So that's what I would encourage everyone to do because these laws are the most concerning thing I have ever seen in my life in terms of legislation in this country uh, and I would still rank them as number one top concern. They have the potential to criminalise spreading the gospel to LGBT people. It's quite, it's that serious. So uh, yeah, everything we can do to uh, to stand against something like this is, is, is going to be right and good and I would encourage people to do that in a in a gentle way. Martin, am I right to uh, suggest there's a Tasmanian pastor who's uh, in the firing line here? There's a case study that could be unfolding in the near coming times uh, who's made some comment, comments about conversion practices and uh, any thoughts around that particular pastor? Well, yes. I mean, there was a case of um, uh, a pastor who uh, simply raised the fact, and I, I can't remember the, all the details, but effectively what he did was just make clear what Christian teaching is on this subject, to say, well, you know, we do expect people's um, uh, sexual desire to change uh, as part of sanctification when you're a Christian. Uh, and he wrote an article about this. Uh, and, of course, what happened was that those who were pushing this legislation went, aha, look, conversion therapy is happening in Tasmania and we need to push this legislation. Now, of course, that's not true. Uh, what they call, you know, they're using this as an excuse. Uh, but um, look, uh, I think if it's the pastor I'm thinking of in Launceston, um, what he said was effectively what Christians believe. And that's going to be the problem here. Um, Christians believe that as a Christian, there's a certain way to act out your sexuality. There's a certain way to act out your gender identity. God has ordered those things. He has ordered them for our good. They are wonderful things. They are things that are there for our blessing. They bring clarity and they bring purpose to a life that is otherwise chaotic when we make it up for ourselves. And if somebody is a Christian and going to church and is walking with the Lord, then you will expect them to align with God's will for those things. That's what the Christian teaching is. That's what the Bible says. That's what salvation is all about. And no matter how you skin that cat, uh, you're going to uh, run up against these laws. And that is the essence of the problem. So we almost have a real-life case study already. And we'll follow that one along as continue as those things continue to come to light. Hey, Martin, uh, let's turn our attention to now your hometown, Canberra, uh, because in the ACT, the ACT Attorney General and Greens MLA Shane Rattenbury has tabled a bill which would remove gendered language from ACT legislation. What's happening in Canberra? Well, what's happening in Canberra? That's a good question. We could stay here for a long time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Canberra is always leading the way. People always focus on Victoria, but um, it's only because Canberra is so inconsequential in most people's minds. We are we tend to be even ahead of Victoria on pretty much everything. Uh, if you want to see where uh, other states are going to go in due course, just come here. And yes, you're right, Neil, there's a piece of legislation which is supposed to um, remove gendered language from legislation altogether. Uh, and what that means is every time a, a law says he or she or her or his or anything other anything else like that, any pronouns that are gendered in nature, they want to remove them and say they or them or themselves or whatever. 
And uh, uh, effectively, the government says, well, we don't believe in he and she anymore. We just believe in they. And, you know, it, it seems at one level like a small thing. And yet, from what we've just discussed with this conversion stuff, we see that this gender juggernaut is everywhere. Uh, it's actually a global phenomenon. Some of your listeners may have caught up with the fact that Matt Walsh from The Daily Wire uh, has released a documentary called What is a Woman? Uh, and he uh, has interviewed people who are at the vanguard of uh, gender reassignment surgeries, treating children with hormones and all this kind of stuff. Incredibly disturbing and enlightening documentary as to where these people are at in their mindsets. Uh, and I just can't help but think, look, what is going on here is that there are people in this society with a particular agenda, which is really, really changing the lives of young people in a way that is ultimately irreversible if they go all the way down this pathway. And we as Christian people know that it is a destructive pathway. And so we must speak up and say there isn't such a thing as a man. There is such a thing as a woman. God made it and they are good. Uh, and when I see this under attack, I just can't help but think this is really an attack on God, the creator, because he made male and female. And it's saying, no, we will make up our own rules. And there's great destruction at the end of this. And children are really suffering at the moment, particularly in our education system and in our hospitals. Um, and the ACT is now pushing the removal of gendered language. Uh, that is a portent of what's to come, where the government says, we don't believe in male and female anymore, and you mustn't believe in it either. And that's where the conversion therapy laws come in a little bit earlier. Let me finish this off by saying we will run campaigns, of course. Uh, people will get involved and we will raise our voices. Uh, there may be some success to that. Sometimes there is. Sometimes the laws are watered down. But the reality is I think we're going to end up as Christians in Australia in the next few years in some states living in a bit of a state of legal ambiguity, I call it, where we're going to be living a certain way and doing certain things. And we're not entirely sure if it's legal, <laughs> the way we speak, the way we raise our kids, the beliefs we hold. Uh, and that's going to be one of the tensions that the Christian life faces over the next uh, decade or so. That's going to be what, what emerges. So I say that because I don't want people to bend to all of these laws and act defensively and stop speaking truth and stop raising their families in a way that is in accordance with the truth. People can be spooked out sometimes and they can react like that, which is quite wrong. Uh, we need to be a bit, of Daniel, a bit more like Daniel in these situations, where Daniel read the king's edict, he made a, a judgment and thought, well, what I'm about to do is legally ambiguous, but I'm going to have to do it because it's right. And I think a lot of us are going to be living in that situation over time to come, especially in the ACT in Victoria, but it is spreading to other states. But in the meantime, it is always right to speak against these things and stand against them. And sometimes we get wins. So I don't want to lose all hope. So uh, people should keep their eyes open for the campaigns we put out on this one. Well, there's a saying that says whoever controls the language controls the culture. So there is a sense here that pushing back when there are those who are taking a progressive movement towards changing the language that takes it away from a, uh, a, a language that reflects a godly sense of male and female, uh, there is something to resist in all of that. So you've got to be able to uh, you know, assess how your own thinking goes here and, and not bend too much to the way that those who are trying to control the language want to control our culture. There's a bit of a pushback that's got to happen here, Martin. Well, exactly. I, th I think knowledge is power, um, Neil, and uh, to know what is going on is the first thing. 
uh, and that enables us to act in a way that is different, that's out of step with our world. And as you say, one of the ways we can do that is not bend to the language that they are using. Um, and I think we should continue to speak about male and female. I try and even avoid some words like gender because gender is a concept that they've invented, um, which says that, well, the way you express yourself doesn't have to be the same as your biological sex. Uh, so there's just things like that for us to bear in mind as particularly we speak to our children and, and the children that are in our lives to, to form their minds and help them to uh, understand the truth about some of these subjects. And there is a real war on language that is taking place. And, uh, yep, being equipped uh, and, uh, and living and speaking differently is all part of the battle. This isn't all happening in the legislative realm. Uh, a lot of this battle is happening just in our own personal lives. And so knowledge is power. And so it's good to understand these things. Well, let me point listeners to the ACL website, the website of the Australian Christian Lobby. It's acl.org.au. Martin, another, you know, three years ahead to another federal election, but there's some other state elections coming up, like the Victorian state election. Uh, No doubt there's still a need for people to be on board supporting ACL in those good initiatives that you have and being part of uh, those on-the-ground standing army teams who are ready to knock on doors and put flyers in letterboxes and uh, and make telephone calls and such things. Uh, What sort of things are you encouraging people to do right now to be supportive of some of the things you're involved in? Well, we were really happy with our impact in the federal election, Neil. The campaigns we ran on the ground, which included everything from something simple like putting a flyer in a letterbox right up to something complex like knocking on a door and hat tip to all the people who are up for that. Uh, We're really happy with the research we did that we made a real impact in the seats that we targeted. So there is a pushback. It's a grassroots, it's a people-powered pushback. Um, It's very exciting to see it grow and develop. We've got 8,000, just over 8,000 volunteers who are signed up to the cause Uh, And I would encourage people to do the same if you want to be involved, not just in elections. That's a big part of what we do, federal election, Victorian election. And I know the Victorians are looking forward to that. But we do other things as well. Over the next few months, we want to be distributing two million Gospels of John to Australian households. And that'll be through our volunteer army. uh, And we will see more than 20 percent of Australian households receive a Gospel of John as a result of that. So we do a lot of exciting things, evangelistic things, sometimes just speaking truth, sometimes trying to be a righteous influence on an election and you can just go to acl.org.au slash volunteer fill in the form and you'll get all of that information about when we are running those campaigns and what opportunities are available to you you don't have to take any of them you take the ones that you can reasonably do uh, and you sign up to the ones that uh, you want to take part in Uh, but i encourage people to do that because we're at a point now where it's no use sitting on the sidelines Uh, there's something that we can all do. There's a platform there. There's an opportunity to speak up. And we're seeing some great fruit from that. That's very exciting. Well, Martin Niles, always appreciate your insights. acl.org.au for listeners to catch up on that knowledge is power and uh, insights into the things that are shaping our nation. And uh, Martin Niles, Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Always a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.